I don't know what you're going through or what you're facing, uh, but here's what I'm believing for. Sometimes I say this and I mean it. I'm believing for what I call illumination. This is what I'm believing for for you today. What is illumination? Illumination would be like if you lost your keys in a dark room and you're, you're struggling, you're searching, you're on your hands and knees trying to find your keys and you can't find it because it's so dark. And then all of a sudden somebody comes in and they turn the light on. When they turn the light on, you say, oh, there my keys are. That's what I'm believing for you today. I, I don't know what situation in your life has been extremely dark. Maybe it's in your relationships, in your finances, as it pertains to your physical well-being, maybe your mental health. What I'm believing for you today is that you're going to have a moment of illumination, that God's going to do something that only God can do. It's going to turn the lights on. Can you believe for that today? I encourage you to believe for that today, to open your heart. And uh, let's pray. Let's pray and get started. God, we thank you for an opportunity to gather as a church family. Uh, God, we're so thankful for this space. We say that often, but we just slow down and we just say thank you. Thank you that we have this refuge, this fortress, this strong tower that we can run to week in and week out and find these things that we so desperately need that we can meet you here. And God, that you don't just leave us here, but you go with us. Today in this moment, would you use the words that I speak? God, would you answer questions? Would you give illumination in this place today in a way that only you can? We ask these things in your name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to get right into it this morning. If you have your Bibles... Uh, the book of Acts. We're going to read from the book of Acts, chapter 9. Acts, chapter 9. And uh, we're picking up a story here, a uh, Bible character by the name of Saul. And Saul will eventually be referred to within the context of Scripture as Paul. Now, Paul becomes this huge Bible hero um, that actually, aside from Jesus, is probably the second greatest uh, contributing factor in Christianity becoming what it is, being a message that was, that was spread. He was an evangelist-type person, went around really kind of uh, publicizing this message of Christ, but his story didn't start out like that. In fact, you're going to find out here that before becoming a proponent for Christ and proponent for Christianity and the things of God, he actually persecuted Christians. And so here we're going to pick up in, in chapter 9, in verse 1, I'm going to read out of NIV this morning. It says this, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. This is pretty intense stuff. It says, He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, speaking of Christianity, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Verse 3 says, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell down on the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He responds to the voice and says this, who are you, Lord? Saul asked, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Verse 7 says, the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. Imagine what they just saw, a light shine down from heaven, a voice coming from, from the clouds. They stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. So verse 8 says, Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. And so the Lord calls to him, Ananias, in a vision, saying, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go into the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias responded, answered. He said, I've heard many reports about this man and the harm that he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He's come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call upon your name. But the Lord said back to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. 
He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me to you that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 18 says, immediately, as soon as he says it, immediately something like scales fell off, fell off of Saul's eyes, and all of a sudden he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after eating some food, he regains his strength. Now, it goes on, and he actually enters into ministry, spreading the message of Jesus. Uh, before my grandfather passed away, me and my brother-in-law were up at his house trying to help him change a battery out of one of his cars. And uh, he asked us to help because he wasn't able to do it on his own. And so uh, we're not like super like mechanic-oriented folk or anything, but we're like, we can change a battery, right? So we, we step up to this car, we lift the hood, um, we have YouTube videos rolling to like show us how to, <laughs> it's pretty sad, right? <laughs> pretty sad. <laughs> got to look up on YouTube how to change a battery. Ryan's laughing down here. So, but, but, but really, so we're like, we got it figured out. Though. How hard can this be? And uh, so we loosen everything and we start pulling on this battery and for the life of us, I, I, we couldn't figure out how to get this battery out. And we're tugging and we're pulling. We got sweat coming down our brow. I'm like, get a screwdriver. Let's see if we can pry this thing out. So he gets a screwdriver. We're trying to pry the battery out of the inside of the car. I'm making up all kinds of excuses. You know, battery fluid must have leaked out. And it's like cemented on the bottom. And this is why we can't get the battery out. And we're, man, we're, we're going at it. And, and, and we stop him and we're thinking like this. There's, there's got to be a simpler way. Like, there's no way that this battery weighs 500 pounds because that's what it feels like because we can't get it out. And uh, we, we got to be doing something wrong. Finally, we realized that there's like a little safety latch that in order to pull the battery out, you, you, you got to pull the latch back in order to lift the, ba the battery up. I tell that story really briefly this morning to kind of present this thought. A lot of times in life, the problem that you think you have is not really the problem that you have. <clears throat> a lot of times in life, the problem is not the problem. Uh, anybody in a relationship here today, you have a, a wife, maybe a significant other, um, y'all ever fight? Y'all ever have disagreements? You should have seen what it was like growing up in my house. My parents, man, it was the wild, wild west growing up. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding it was. I won't talk about them, but I'll talk about me. My wife's here. I love my wife. Would you get up my beautiful wife, Ashley, sitting here in the front row? Love you, babe. Oh, but we can throw down, can't we, babe? Man, we have some blowout arguments. I, people who act like they don't ever fight. My grandma does this now that my grandpa has passed away and got to have. She said, you know, me and, me and daddy, we never fought. We were just love. I don't understand people who fight. Like, come on, grandma. I saw you fight when I was growing up. <laughs> Selective memory. Me and my wife have conversations sometimes. Conversations, like I said that. Not, not arguments, but conversations. I mean, they'll get downright dirty. You need to get out of the house. Can you just leave? And she says, no. And I say, okay, well, then just stay. She'll tell me to leave. I say, no. And we say, we have these, these arguments, these fights. But at the end of the arguments and fights, the end of all the ugly things that you say that you wish that you didn't say, your veins are popping out, you're saying things, and, and you have so much regret afterwards. And you sit there and you think, why did I, why, why? Why did I have to do that? Why did I have to go there? And usually the follow-up conversation looks something like this. Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. It wasn't, I, it wasn't you. Like, it wasn't really that. Um, I'm just going through a lot, you know, or, or, or it wasn't really, I can't really put my finger on it. I think that I'm just having a bad day. Has anybody ever been there? Like, you, you, you do things, you, you, you say things, and yet at the end of all of these conversations, maybe, maybe even an argument with a friend, you, you live with more regret that you even went there because here's what you're realizing, that the problem really, really, wasn't, really wasn't the problem. See, you face a lot of problems in life, but problems are kind of like fruit-bearing trees, so, so, so you have all of this fruit that would be um, an example of the problems that you face. This is why most of us feel like we have so many problems. But we really don't have a lot of problems. We actually only have a couple. For many of you in this room, you probably only have one. 
Because to all of the fruit that you're experiencing, there's, there's, there's a root. The issue is most of us spend our time trying to deal with all of the fruit, but we're really spinning our wheels at the end of these conversations, frustrated, irritated, feel like life is no, you ever felt like life is just going nowhere, like I'm trying to do with this stuff, but it's still not pushing my life forward because, because you're busying yourself with the idea, with this concept that you're problem solving, but you're really not because until you learn to get, the, get to the root of the issue, you'll never be able to solve solve your problems because it's like a fruit-bearing tree. It's, you really don't have a lot of problems. You have a few. When we look at this text, Saul has a problem. He, he has an issue to him. He has, he has fruit in his life that is frustrating him. And it's this, it's this new trend that's in town, particularly as it pertains to religion. Um, there's, it's, it's, and, and I want you to almost like time warp, put yourself in, like imagine everything that you know now and you experience this on social media, there's like the new thing that's like, this thing is going to change everything. You ever experience those kinds of things? You, you, you see those types of ads. You experience that type of propaganda. For, for, for Saul, if you're putting yourself in his shoes, this is probably what's he's ex- what he's experiencing. He's hearing these winds of, of uh, conversation, people saying there's something new in town, and this new thing is going to change everything. But this new thing is not just a thing. It's a person, and his name is Jesus. See, Jesus has come on the scene and entered into his earthly ministry. He's going around, and, and, and picture what he's doing. He's going around, and he's healing people. He's going around, and he's delivering people. He's, 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 he's uprooting the system as everybody knows it. He's telling people that's not really the way. This is the way. And he doesn't just take it that far. He takes it so far with this conviction that he has that God is good, and God is merciful, and God is gracious, and God is pro-people to the point that he gives up his life on a cross. He dies, and then he comes back from the dead. So imagine being Saul and hearing these stories. This just sounds a little bit too far-fetched. This sounds like a little bit too far out of the box. There's, there's no way that God can be in something like this. This is just a fad. This has got to pass. And, and, and the text says that it makes Saul angry. And you would almost assume at first glance that the reason that Saul is angry is because Saul's just an evil man. That Saul is just anti-people, and Saul just is on one, and he's angry, and he's just, he's just a really disgusting, angry, angry uh, immoral man. Yet if you peer into the, to the context of history and actually understand the man that Saul was, if you understand his upbringing, if you understand his true characterization, this is actually not true of Saul at all. Saul was raised around the Jews. He was actually a religious man. He studied divinity and Jewish law. This is a man who is well-versed in the things of God. And actually, the reason that he's so frustrated is not because he's just mean and ugly, but he feels like people are being deceived. Why? Because there's no way that God can work like this. There's no way that God would be that merciful. There's no way that God would be that gracious. There's no way that God would heal like that. That's not what we know. Everything that I know tells me that I have to sacrifice to get God to love me, that I have to give things up, that I have to jump through hoops to get God to accept me and love me. And so Saul becomes frustrated because he feels like, man, these people are being led down a wrong wrong road. We got to end this. We got to stop this injustice. You Don't you see this in our world? People who see new things and fresh things in areas that God may be moving, but in their mind, they think to themselves, God could never work in that. We need to put an end to this. We need to put a stop to this. This is the position that Saul finds himself in. But here's the issue. Your problem is not your problem. So Saul thinks his problem is is the Christians. So on his way to murder, to put an end to this whole Christian situation, God finds him. Is anybody thankful in this place when you're off that God can find you? (laughs) 
Some of us spend so much of our life afraid of being off. Trust me, you just keep moving. If you're off, God will find you. <laughs> In this process of, of, of going to kill these Christians, there's a light that shines down from heaven. So, so, so imagine, imagine being Saul, a, a man who understands the things of God, probably a God-fearing man, just doesn't know what this whole thing's about because he's never seen it before, doesn't understand it. He thinks he's on assignment from God to do away this with these people who are deceiving others. On his journey, a light shines down from heaven and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? To which Saul responds, and I think his response is so interesting. Here's his response. Who are you, Lord? Why, why, do you, why do you call him, why are you calling him Lord? Because when you experience God, here's what happens. We understand about Saul that Saul is not a man who does not have faith. Saul is just a man whose faith only goes so far. And what happens anytime you have an encounter with God, you, you're in this position of who are you, Lord, meaning I know you, I, I recognize that voice, I know that it's you, but what I find out the closer I get to you is I don't know you the way that I think that I know you. What am, I, what am I talking about? I know you think you know God, but I'm here to remind you that he's probably more than that, that he can't fit into man-made boxes of religion, intellectual understanding. He can't, be, he can't be broken down and put into a rhythm, and you think, oh, I get the way that God works, and now I can just sit back and work his principles and see him function in my life. No, the second you think God get, you got God figured out, you're going to actually miss the place that God is going and miss the place, the ways that God is working. Why? Because just like Saul, you're going to have these moments when you, when you get close to to God, when you get in a true moment of worship and God tags your heart, when the Spirit of God really talks to you, you know what this awakening is? Oh, who are you, Lord? Because the God that I thought you were, you're not mad at me like I thought you were. You're not angry at me like I thought you were. You're not everything that religion has taught me that you are. You're different than that. Who are you, Lord? The voice responds, I'm, I'm, I'm Jesus, the one that you're persecuting. Who are you, Lord? I'm Je In other words, I'm, I'm your problem. Who are you? I'm Jesus, the one that you're persecuting. See, see, Saul doesn't have a people problem. Saul has a God problem. Because Saul doesn't believe that God can be that good. He doesn't believe that God can care like that. I mean, think about it. Saul, what, are you, what is so bad about this Christian message? Isn't the writing on the wall but everything that I've been taught to think that God cares so much that he wants to heal people? People that have done evil things, nasty things, people that don't deserve it. There's no way that this could be the God that I know, that there's a God that actually cares about people's finances, that he wants to help them pay their taxes and pay their dues. And I don't, I don't, I don't know that that can be God. He doesn't have a people problem. He has a God problem because Saul just doesn't believe that God could care like that. Can I be honest with you today? What's your, what's your problem? My problem is blank. What is it? It's my marriage. It's my relationships. It's my finances. It's my physical well-being. Can, can, I, can I propose to you today that maybe you don't have a marriage problem? Can I propose today that maybe, maybe your real issue isn't your finances, that maybe your real problem is a God problem because fundamentally you don't really believe. I mean, I know you know up top, upstairs, but I'm talking in the depths of your heart. You don't really believe that God cares like that. And because you don't believe that God cares like that, you feel like you got to do it on your own. What am I talking about? You're, you're messing with fruit. You're not looking at the root. You think, you think the problem is that you have a marriage issue. No, the real problem is you don't, you don't, 
I know you know in your head, but in your heart, you don't really believe God cares about your marriage. So, 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 what, so what do you do? You try to fix your marriage on your own. The thing about God is God wants to work in tandem with you. He wants to hold your hand and teach you and guide God help me in my marriage. How many times did God help me with my finances? I think a lot of the times we try to muscle it and say, God, would you sprinkle down some magic from heaven to kind of just fix this? Would you fix my issue? Not would you work with me in this issue, but would you just send down some magic and fix my issue? And so what we end up doing is spend our, spending our life spinning our wheels trying to fix fruit, missing out on the root that my real issue is I don't really know that I believe that God cares. And the reason that I really don't know that I I believe that God cares is because I'm blind. I'm blind. <laughs> he encounters Jesus. I'm your problem. And then what happens? He opens his eyes, but he cannot see. He says, here's the thing about Saul. Saul cannot see, but Saul really could never see. <laughs> he, he's just becoming aware of the thing that he's already been blind to. And, and here in life, you usually find yourself in these categories. And first off, he starts where I can see with my natural eyes, but I can't see God with my spiritual eyes. Then he encounters God. He realizes he has a God problem, an issue that he doesn't really believe that God cares. And all of a sudden, he can't see with his natural eyes, but he can see God with his spiritual eyes. And I think the most frustrating place to be is position number two, where I, can, where I know who God is, but if I'm honest, I just don't see it, Nick. You ever been there? Oh, I know, I know the Bible says that he cares. I know you preachers get up and tell me to cast my cares on God because he cares. But if I'm honest with you, I just don't see it, Nick. I, I, I know he cares about my marriage, but have you seen my marriage? Because it doesn't look like he cares. I, I, I see with my inward eyes, but I don't see it with my outward eyes. I'm blind. Why am I blind? Because I have scales on my eyes. I have things that prohibit me because of my journey to keep me from seeing God right. I have scales. I have lenses based upon my journey. And you, I hope this is not going over your head. I hope you get it because you have, you have based upon the things that you've been through. You think that it doesn't really mess with you, that you just are the person you are today. No, everything that you are today is a result of the journey that you walked yesterday. You have lenses. You have scales. And all of these all of these actually, they don't just determine the way that you see people. They determine the way that you see God. And you may be here, does everything go back to God? Everything goes back to God. Everything goes back to God. Why? Because he's the one that put you here. How else did you get here? How else did you get here? So what does it go back to? It goes back to the first person that put everything is, everything is connected to God. Everything that you experience in life is determined by your relationship or how you, how you see God. A lot of times I think we struggle in this place of knowing who he is but not seeing who he is because we have, we have scales in our eyes. We have things that prohibit us from seeing. What am I talking about? I'm talking about scales. I'm taking notes. I want you to write this down. I'm talking about scales. Scales. I'm talking about weight. I'm talking about scale. I'm talking about the weight. And hear me today because this is much more than a sermon. I need those of you that have maybe been following God for a hefty length of time to hear with fresh ears today. I'm talking, how come, how come I know it, but I don't see it because you got scales. I'm talking about scales, weight, the, 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 the weight, the weight of what I've, I've, I've done. What am I talking about? Blinded by my behaviors. And the first group that I want to talk to this morning is actually not the group that you think I want to talk to. You think I want to say that God doesn't care about your mistakes and your immorality and all these kinds of things. I want to talk to the people probably first and foremost 
that are comfortable with God forgiving you of your past, but then when it comes to your present and your future, you feel like you can do it on your own. I think what blinds us the most sometimes is the scales, the, 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 weight, of my, the weight of my behaviors, blinded, blinded by my behaviors, the, the, the weight of what I've done, blinded by my behaviors. My, 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 my actions, I'm talking about the simplest thing to the person who started the business and it didn't work out. And because it didn't work out, you somehow, some way, it got into your mind that, that God must not have wanted that. And yet you have this itching, clawing thing on the inside of you and you know you're supposed to go for it again. But because you didn't think that God helped you in the past, you feel like you've got to do it in the future. So now you're full of all kinds of anxiety because you know you're supposed to do it, but you don't want to do it because you're afraid if he's going to be there because you're dealing with fruit and you're missing the root. You've got to get back to the place to drop to the scale to remember that regardless Regardless of what your behaviors have been, regardless of the decisions that you made in your past that have gotten to you to your present uh, situation and destination that God still cares. You have to refuse to be blind, blinded by your behaviors. I'm talking to the people that have kids that maybe your kids, you look at their life and you think, I blew it. And because you feel like you blew it, it keeps you from being a parent today. It keeps you from having relationship today. Why? Because I, here's, here's the idea of blinded by, by, by my behaviors. I don't deserve it. I really don't deserve another shot at this. I really don't deserve a relationship with me. I, I blew it, Nick. I blew it. I had my shot, and it didn't work out. I don't want to go through that again because that hurt. But as long as you hold on to those scales, you'll never see God right. As long as you don't see God right, you'll keep dealing with fruit, solving the wrong problem, never seeing progress in your life, continue to be blind, knowing that God cares but not seeing that he cares. To the person in this place that, man, maybe it is simple for you. Maybe I talk to people all the day. And I think, you know, we're making progress as a church. And it's like, man, people know that God loves, loves them and he's for them. But I don't know how many people I talk to that they just feel like God's mad at them. Like God's just sitting up in heaven looking down on, would you get it together? Would you get it together? Would you be somebody that I can use? And you know, look at who he chooses. He chooses bad old Saul and says, he's my chosen instrument. Huh? The people that's trying to shut you down, God. Yeah, him. He's, he's my chosen. And as Naya says, I... Are you sure, God? I've heard, I've heard rumors of the bad things that he's done. God says, I said he's my chosen instrument. What part don't you understand? I'm here to tell you it doesn't matter what road you've walked. You, as long, and and here's, the, here's the issue. You think it's just an obsession over your behaviors. I'm telling you it's keeping you from seeing that God really cares. It's connected to all of the problems that you think you have. It's really not those things. It could be connected to the fact that you're blinded. You've got scales. You're blinded by, you're blinded by your behaviors. Scale, scale, scales, the weight, scale, scale, scales. I'm talking about a texture. I'm talking about like a fish has scales. I'm talking about a covering. I'm talking about a callousness. Scale, scales. Scale, scale, scale. Sometimes it's not the weight of what I've done. Sometimes, sometimes it's the it's, it's the calluses from what I've been through. What, what am I talking about? I'm talking about blinded, blinded by my betrayals. I, I'm talking about things that didn't go my way. I, I, the pain of having to go through that again. I trusted God before, Nick, and it didn't work out. I believed him before, and it seemed like it. I fell flat, flat on, on, on my face. It, it didn't seem... It didn't seem to work out. I've, I've tried that. All of a sudden, here's what happens in life. When you try it and, it, and you here's what happens. It's not that it didn't work. You feel like it didn't work. All of a sudden, you carry these wounds. And just like, a, just like a hand, like if you ever go lift weights, your hands will maybe tear apart at first. But all of a sudden, it gets a thickness, and you don't even feel it anymore. What am I talking about? Some of you in this place, you've, you've, you've picked up calluses, picked up scales to where you don't even believe, and you don't even want to believe 
because you don't really even feel it anymore. I'm just going to be content with just loving Jesus and we'll leave it at that. Yeah, but Jesus died upon a cross for a whole lot more than that. He didn't just die upon a cross and go to a grave and come back from the dead just so you can get into heaven. He wants you healthy. He wants you whole. He wants you financially sound. He wants your, ment he wants your mind to be stable. He just, you think that God's best for your life is to be strung out on medication? Nothing against medications. I think medications can help. But you think that that's God's best for your life? And I think sometimes we, we, we settle for a life that's less than God's best because we, have, because we have scales. It's like you look at this story and it's like, Saul. Why are you so upset? Why are you, why, I mean, I get like you don't like the Christians, but so much that you want to kill the Christians? Like, why, why are you so triggered, Saul? Anybody ever been triggered? You ever had those things in your life that they say that one thing, and oh, it just sets you off and you become the old you real, real quick? <laughs> what have you been through, Saul? When you peer into history, you begin to understand the story. You see, Saul is actually named after King Saul. So King Saul, imagine this. You're named after one of the greatest to ever do it, a man who is a warrior, a man of great stature, a man of great strength, a man that everybody respected. The Bible says that Saul was strong, he was a warrior, that he was tall, okay? And yet Saul of Tarsus, the man that is named after big man Saul, Little Saul, if you go into the context of history, he stopped growing at about four and a half feet tall. So, so, so this would be like being called Michael Jordan or LeBron James, and you don't know how to measure the basketball. You ever experienced the pain of feeling like you don't measure up? The great things that everybody calls you, you can never seem to measure up to. The expectations that other people have, the things that they see in you, the things that you've been called, but you don't really see it in yourself. Living your whole life just trying to measure up. But I can't, I can't be that saw. I can't be that saw. And what happens when you feel like you ne never measure up, you start carrying calluses. You've got trigger points. you got to be the man now. you got to stand up. you got to show the world. I know there's people in this place that know what I'm talking about. Hmm? You never were like your older brother. You were never like your older sister. You were never like the people that your parents always said, oh, if we can get you to be this pop star or this dancer or this, this, this person, if we, maybe we could groom you to be the next great athlete. And you never became that. And because of that, you got calloused. And all of a sudden in conversations around people, all it takes is them to say that one thing and you get triggered. Why are you so triggered, Saul? But the thing about Saul is people didn't name Saul. God named Saul. See, see, Saul's name actually in the Hebrew means acquired of or called for by God. Ca called for by God. But until Saul in his life learns to own who Saul is, he will never be ready for the place that God has him. As long as he has the tune of you're just a little man that will never, never measure up to the things that people want you to be. And he's, until he divorces himself for that type of idea and embraces the fact that, no, I am acquired of by God, he's not ready for his future. Because, see, in Saul is Paul. So one day God's going to use this guy named Saul and his name's going to be called Paul and everybody's going to be, everybody's going to know about Paul and Paul's actually going to be the guy that actually forges a path for you and I to sit in this building today. But, but, but here's the challenge. Until Saul owns on the inside who God has made him to be despite what other people say, despite what other people believe, despite what other people call him, he will never be ready to be Paul. What am I talking about? He'll, he'll never be ready for the platform. He'll never be ready for, 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 
for the position. Because here's the thing. Can I, we haven't told you this yet, but greater things cause greater problems. So, so, so tell me you want to be famous. Okay, then don't get mad when the paparazzi's all knocking on your door because you... Okay, don't tell me you want to be in ministry and then complain when people call you at 3 a.m. because somebody's in the hospital. Do, do, do you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> don't, don't be all excited when you have 5,000 people, not including women and children, show up to hear you speak, but then you got to figure out how to feed them. See, greater things... Cause, 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 cause greater problems. And God knows that if Saul doesn't ever own Saul, he'll never be able to be Paul. See, it wasn't actually God that named Saul Paul. God always sees Saul as Saul. If you look throughout the context of Scripture, when he actually calls Barnabas and Paul into their ministry, you know what he calls them? Barnabas and Saul. Because he sees Saul is acquired of or asked for by God. But if Saul doesn't embrace his name who God has called him, he will never be ready for the season that God is taking him. Here's why. Because Saul is his Hebrew name. You know, you know what Paul really Paul, Paul is? He's going to be sent to the Gentiles. And in the Greek, the name Saul is actually just Paul. So he ha- here's, here's, walk down this road with me. So Saul means acquired of by God. Eventually, when he becomes Paul, he's going to change the world. You know what Paul means in the Greek? Small. So at his moment of greatest influence, he's going to have to be reminded of his greatest insecurity. That's why if you don't understand who you are in this moment and deal with the callousness of maybe your heart or the scales that are on your eyes that keep you from seeing that God is for you, that he has named you, when you get to the place that he has you, you're not going to be ready for it. Why? You throw it all away because the second they call you, what would you call me? Triggered. Triggered to tell you if you're going to be able to see God right so you can deal with the right problems, you're going to have to get to a place where you can let go, let go of the scale, the scales, the weight, the scales, the callousness, the scales. I'm talking about the size. So I'm not just talking about blinded by my behaviors. I'm not just talking about blinded by my betrayals. I'm talking about size. I'm talking about I'm blinded by the size of what I see. I'm talking about blinded by my, my battle. The text says that when he sees that he is blind, when he sees what he's up against, he doesn't eat or drink for three days. You ever been up something that just makes you makes you just, I can't sleep, I can't eat, I don't really even know what to do, I'm just over, I'm not overwhelmed. And here's the issue. Here's the issue. The problem is really not the size of your problem. The problem is the size you've allowed yourself to make your God. Hear that again. The problem is not the size of your problem. The problem is the, is the size you've allowed yourself to make your God. Why? Because what I'm up against just seems so big. I can't keep my head straight. I can't keep my thoughts straight. I don't know which way is up. I don't know which way is down. And this is a problem because what did we just learn about Wednesday night? If I can't get my head straight, I can't get my life straight. But what do you do? Oh, this, I preached all morning to get to this point. What do you do when, if I'm honest, I, I get it in my, I get what you're saying, but I feel like a crazy person on the inside, Nick. Like, I don't even know where to start. You're telling me take every thought captive, but what do I do when, like, every single thought is a negative, ugly thought? Oh, it would be easy if maybe I was like you or the preachers that, that act like they have it all together, that, that maybe I'm just policing a thought. Oh, I won't receive that thought, and I won't receive that thought. But what if I'm running on negative thoughts? And you know why this is a challenge? Because your mind, it builds, it builds, it builds building structure. It, 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 they build, there's fortresses, so, it, so it's hard to break down. So a lot of times you feel defeated and you just settle for a life in less than because I don't know how to deal with these scales. Because I, ha- I have a computer and my computer has a virus. What do you do when your computer's got a virus? 
what do you do when you're this is what this is Saul's problem. He has scales. The problem is not that he doesn't know who God's voice is. The problem is that he the problem is not that he hasn't had a God encounter. Like God stopped, he, he met God on a road and he's still blind. That should encourage you today. You keep showing up to this place and still be wrestling through things and still coming to God for things, and I don't got it figured out, but I'm trying. I'm calling and I'm scratching and I'm trying. What do I do when my computer's got a virus? This is, the, I'm telling you, this is part of the missing ingredient. I want you to look what happened. He talks to Ananias and he tells Ananias to go to Saul. I want you to, I want you to let's, let's pick up at the end of the, of the scripture. Verse 17 says this. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, it says, he, he said, everybody say said. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says as soon as he says it, immediately something like scales fall from his eyes. See, see, your mind, the way that you think, the way that you think determines the way that you are, but whatever you say is what you will see. No, let it go deep within the soil of your heart. So the way, because here's what happens. Your, your mind just keeps swirling things. You ever notice that, like, it's like people say that the mind is the devil's playground. You get that little, like, good angel, bad devil on, on your shoulder. And really it's this picture of this inward war. Ron Carpenter talked about this on, on Wednesday. It's this inward war on the inside. But what do I do when I can't win the internal war? you got to speak. you got to say something. And here's the problem. I think a lot of us are trying to win in our minds, but you're not going to win in your minds. You're going to win in your mouth. Because what you say is what you see. Here's what happens. When you're thinking negative, when your mind's going crazy, when you start thinking my kids are going to get in a car accident, you know how to stop your thoughts? To speak. No, they won't. What am I saying? Just to speak to your scales. And, and, and you may be in this place. That's, that sounds far out. I'm here to tell you today that there is power in your words. You know it. If I want to get, if I want to get in your head, what do I do? I start talking trash. I don't start thinking trash. We're playing sports. Hey, let's go, right? And I want to get in your head. I don't just start thinking real thoughts towards you. What do I got to do? I start, I start talking trash. That's all you got? That's all you got? Because here's what happens. Your words create infrastructure. So when I say it, it starts building a little house in your mind. You don't, you're not hearing what I'm saying. It starts building a little house in your mind. The Bible says that your tongue is like a rudder, and wherever the rudder goes, it directs the ship. So if you're having trouble directing the ship, it's time to get it out of your head and into your mouth. The byproduct of this, here's the incredible thing, and here, here's, here's how you actually get the virus out of your computer. When you say it, your ears hear it. When your ears hear it, it gets put into your mind. So the more good you say, the more good you'll think. The more good you think, the more good you'll have. I don't know what mountain you're up against, but I'm here to tell you somehow it's rooted to how you see. And if you want to change the thing, if you want to change the thing that you see, you got to change the thing that you say. I'm not a big, like, God doesn't speak to me, like, in a real loud voice all the time. I'm usually kind of just led by him in a way that only I think I understand. But I'm telling you, at the end of last week, I thought it was just for me. At the end of last week's service, we, second service, we're up here, and I turn around like this, and... And out of my spirit, I heard God say to me, the scales are coming up. Okay, so just track them. Let me, let me, I need to build your faith and expectation around this principle that I'm, that I'm publicizing today. He says to me, the, the scales are falling off. Instantaneously, I think of the story of, of Saul and the scales falling off of his eyes. And I think, okay, yeah, new, new vision. Like, yeah, like, yeah, I'm on, I'm on board with it. Then I go home and 
I told you all, I think I told this service last week. I'm not a, I'm not a dream guy. I'm not a dream guy. Like, usually when I go to sleep, it's like somebody turn out the lights, and then somebody turns them back on in the morning. Like, that's just... <laughs> but I had this dream. And in this dream, I was on a boating trip of some sort, and we somehow lost my middle son. And I see it clear as day in my mind. We, we lost him. I'm running around, and I'm saying... Have you seen Levi? My mom's there. My dad's there. I said, have you seen Levi? They're like, no, we don't know Levi. We don't know where he's at. And I asked my, my wife, babe, have you seen Levi? Nobody knows where Levi's at. And I'm, I'm looking out and my heart's starting to panic. And did he drown? And you're here, you hear all these stories on TV. And you ever had a dream that's just like way too real? Where you like feel it? And I'm panicking. And all of a sudden, I, I, I get up to the boat and I'm, I'm driving the boat. And I look over and I can see on this deck. I can see on this deck. And it looks like my son. And he's standing next to this news reporter. And in my dream, as he starts talking to the news reporter, there's a TV inside of this, like, houseboat type thing. And I see my son on the TV. And I think, oh, my God, there he is. And, and the newscaster starts saying, son, what's your name? Son, what's your name? And every, and every time she asks him his name, he says, my name is Clarity. He says, my, my name is Clarity. Now, he doesn't say Clarity. He says, Terity, right? My name's Terity. And she's looking at him like, what's your name? He says, my name's Clarity. She says, why is your name, why is your name Clarity? He said, because I can't see my family right now and I need to. And as soon as I saw that, I woke up. I, I woke up out of a dream and out of my spirit, God said, call those things that be not as though they are. Call those things that be not as though they are. What is that a reference to in, in Scripture? God, this is, what, this is what God does, guys. This is what God does. He speaks this stuff that looks like nothing, and he says there's something in there. And he doesn't just think it out. He calls it out. I'm here to tell you, some of you, your new name is Clarity because you can't see your family right now and you need to. I don't know what you need to call yourself. I don't know what you need to call your season. You need to find your word. You need to find your name, and you need to start saying it out of your mouth. I'm here to tell you if it's only you in the car that hears it, it's okay because you're programming your mind, and the way that you think is the way that you are. And if you're anything like me and you find yourself in seasons where you feel like you just feel like a crazy person because your thoughts are just swirling, I can't even, I can't even begin to focus. Get me reading a devotion, I'll get distracted and try to figure out what to make it for dinner tonight. Like, that's just... If you're in that position where your mind is just a wondering mind, it's time to get your mouth in gear. To do what? To call those things that be not as though they were. To call those things that be not as though they were. What am I saying? Stop talking about the situation with your kids and start calling it what it needs to be. Start, start saying it. What am I saying? When you're alone in your car, your child that is far from God, you say he's coming home. She's coming home. It's not staying the same. God's going to find him. God will find him. I, I speak clarity because I can't see my family and I need to. I don't, know what your, I, I don't know what your thing is, but stop thinking about it. It's time to start speaking to it. What did Tavo say in worship? If I say to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. Whatever I say, I will see. Whatever I say, I will see. What am I here to tell you today? Hey, hey, your problem? What's your problem? It's probably not that. No, 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 no. You said, you you said you'd come with an open heart, right? What's your problem? Okay, probably not that. That's, prob that's probably fruit on a tree 
somewhere down the line has a root. It's the thing that happened to you when you were a little kid. It's the business that failed. It's, it's the disqualification that you feel because your family doesn't look like you always envisioned it to look. It's the secrets that you have. And if you could ever learn, and what am I talking about? I'm just talking about letting the scales drop off. How do I get the scales to drop off? I speak to the scales. How? What does that look like? You know what it looks like for me sometimes? In the car, practically speaking. There's not no worship music on. Sometimes it's not even, sometimes it's secular music playing. It's not, about, it's not about that. It's about engaging the tool that God gave me that creates power. I start saying, I will, I'm not blinded by my behaviors. No, God, I'm working in tandem with God, and that's not predicated upon me. He wants to work with me. He loves me. He's for me. So I'm not, I'm not talking about in your, are you getting what I'm saying? This morning? I'm not talking about in your mind. I'm talking about saying it out of your mouth. I will not be blinded by my betrayals. I declare, I've grown up in church. I, can, I have a very cynical personality, naturally cynical. But I have to say to myself, I will not have a calloused heart. I will have a tender heart. I will have an open heart. I will believe the best about people. I welcome new people in. I don't just need old friends. Sometimes I need new friends. Can I preach to somebody today? Some of you, some of you, you know what really tr triggers this story? And you know, hear my dad get up here and talk about Wednesday nights and, and things like this. The reason why you really need it is because you need an Ananias in your life. Saul, Saul had friends that would lead him by his hand when he was blind, but they couldn't fix his blindness. Some of you this, well, I already have friends. You have friends that can hold you by the hand and comfort you when you're blind, but they can't fix your blindness. You, you got to be around people that will speak God help into your life, that will say what God says into your life. And life's experience has taught me you don't just usually bump into those people at random. You have to choose to immerse yourself. You have to, again, in a position of an open heart, allow God to bring those people into your life. But if he's going to do that, you've got to let go of the calluses, which means what? A lot of you have been burnt by people. Most of our issues in this place are a result of what other people have done, what other people have said, the people that have let us down. Am I right or am I right? We get wounded. There were no new friends. You need some new friends, folks. What a horrible motto. Because no new friends means your life stays exactly how it is. Because everything that God does, he does through relationship. You need some new friends. If you want change, if you want a greater than life, if you want a greater things life, you're going to need some new experiences. To let go of the scales, blinded by my betrayals, blinded by my battle. What is so overwhelming you today? Man, if you're ever going to see God right, you can't allow your problem to dictate the size of your God. Like that preach is really good, but now listen to the actual words can't allow the size of your problem to dictate the size of your God. What is so big in your life that you eat, that, that it make, when I say God cares about it, you go, eh, yeah, but I got to walk out here and I still got to fix it. You're not getting it. And if you're not getting it, it's because you got a virus. So how do I stop the virus? I got to start speaking to it. Would you stand to your feet all across this room? All across this room. I believe I've been sent on assignment by God today to be an Ananias in your life, to speak to some things. And when I speak to those things, some scales are going to fall. Would you close your eyes with me all across this room? I want you to sing something. I'm just going to pray over you. Here, here's what I want you to do is just open. You said you'd open. Here's illumination. Maybe some of you have experienced it. Maybe for you, the illumination needs to happen on an emotional level. Here's the thing about callousness. When you cut yourself off from the bad, you cut yourself off from the good. I've said this time and time again. 
Sometimes the greatest, this morning I woke up and I was with the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Some of you feel crummy and you feel cruddy and you're anxious because that's all you got in your mind. So you need to break that. How am I going to break that? The joy of the Lord is my, I don't feel nothing, but keep saying it and then it's going to get in your computer. And if it gets in your computer, it's actually going to change your life because what you think you become, okay? So in this place, all across this room with an open heart, what is an open heart? Sometimes it just looks like a deep breath. If you feel comfortable, just taking your hands and lifting them up, almost just a sign of openness unto God. God, we open our hearts to you. We open our minds to you in this space. We open our hearts. We open our minds to you. Now I'm going to pray for you. Just like Ananias laid his hands upon Saul and he spoke, and when he spoke, the scales dropped. I want you to have faith, to have faith, the courage to believe that as I begin to speak, the scales begin to fall. It's not something magical. It's the power of God that works through your mouth, right where you're at. Right now, I just speak to scales of depression, scales of suicide. Right now, I speak to scales, people who are blinded by their reputation, and I command it to fall. I speak to the scales of the bad doctor's diagnosis. I speak to the scales of your child that seems so far from God that makes you think that God's not going to come through. I speak to the scales of disappointment. I speak to the scales of laziness. I speak to the scales that don't understand. And right now I speak to chains and I speak to chains to break. In this place, I just speak to chains to begin to break. No longer will you be blinded by your behavior. No longer will you be blinded by your betrayal. No longer will you be blinded by your battle. I declare it. I declare it over your life. I declare it over your family. For some of you today, I name you clarity because you can't see and you need to. For some of you today, I name you clarity because you cannot see and you need to. Just like the rudder of a ship directs a ship, so does your tongue. Say to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. Whatever you say, you will see. Whatever you say, you will see. Don't just believe without speaking. I dare you to declare. 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 God, we declare we have more than enough for our families. God, we have more than enough provision to pay our bills and be a blessing to others. God, we declare that our physical well-being, we're not people who, who get sick easily. No, God, we declare, we declare that the same spirit that raised Jesus, it lives in me. It flows through my veins. Right now with your eyes closed, what is your problem that you see? Right now under your breath, would you speak to it? So whatever it is, you say the opposite of that. I don't have money. I have everything that I need. I declare. Why? Because I'm going to say it. When I say it, I'm going to get it in my ears. It becomes my operating system. And what I think is what I become. You get what I'm saying today? You got, you got to break the chains. You got to get the scales. But it, feel, it feels hypocritical. No, 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 no. Your, your tongue is your greatest weapon. It's your greatest asset. You know, you know this principle. You know that the, the things that have stuck with you that wound you the most are a lot of times the things that people have said to you. Some of you, some of you, you're in this place and you're 50, you're a 50-year-old woman and you're still scarred by words that said what you said to you when you were a five-year-old girl. What is that? That's called the power of your words, folks. They're powerful. They move things. They shift things, they shift things, they shift things, they shift things. Right now, right now, would you just say it? If you need change, if you don't need change, don't say nothing. But if you need change, would you say it? Let's do a little test. Would you say it and see if maybe it starts to change? See if your countenance, countenance maybe starts to get a little bit better. See if your heart begins to lift a little bit higher. See if you leave the spirit walking a little bit taller, this room walking a little bit taller than you walked in. God, we open our hearts to you. I call you clarity. 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 
Stop talking about how you're confused. Start talking about, no, I see clearly. I see clearly. I see clearly. I see clearly. You don't got to tell nobody. Just make sure when you're alone, your own ears can hear it. You hear me? You don't got to tell nobody. I'm talking about when you're alone, make sure your own ears can hear it. Sometimes you got to walk into the closet after you've had a discussion or got the bad phone call about your diagnosis to walk in and say, I heard what they said, but I am the healed of the Lord. First Peter 2.24, he who himself bore our sins and his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes I am healed. I am healed. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them of their own destruction. Psalms, come on, come on, in the book of Psalms, I'm, I'm telling you, you got to begin to speak out of your mouth. Speak those words. 107 verse 20. Isaiah 53. Surely he has borne my griefs, sicknesses, carried my sorrows, diseases. Yet we have seen him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. You know what I'm talking about? you got to begin to remind your soul. Remind your soul. By his stripes. By his stripes. I'm healed. What you say, you will see. 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 If it feels cloudy, start talking different. Start talking different. Start talking different. God, we open our hearts to you. We will not be found in silence. Somebody in this place just needs a little bit extra confirmation. There's something that God has put you in your heart. He's put inside of your heart, but you're the only way, the word that I'm gunshot, you're gunshot. You don't want to go for it again because you're reminded of what happened before. This is your sign. Go for it. This is the sign you've been asking for. Go for it. Why? Because you're not doing it. It's not God saying, go ahead. I'll follow you up. No, he says, hold my hand. Let's work in tandem together. You hear me? He's not saying, you go for it, and we'll see what happens. I'll watch you. If you need help, I'll back you up. No, hold my hand, and let's do this together. Watch God take you by the hand as you start taking steps, as you start speaking. God, we will speak. We will say it. If you find yourself swimming, start speaking. If you find your mind swimming, start speaking. If you find your mind swimming, start speaking.
to move the environment too much. If you're here today and maybe you've never made a decision to place your faith in something bigger than yourself, maybe you've been resisting because you don't understand, because it don't make sense, maybe you feel like, I know God, but I just don't know about that. Maybe you find yourself in this position of Saul. I'm here to tell you that your greatest life is on the other side of faith in someone who is greater than you. That someone that takes away the sting of your behaviors, takes away the sting of your betrayals, takes away the sting of your battle. We believe we spend forever somewhere, heaven or hell. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, Jesus will be saved. If you want to pray that prayer, I want to lead you out loud. Would you say this prayer with me all across this room? Would you say, Jesus, today, I believe in my heart. I say out of my mouth, you're the son of God. I believe you lived for me. I believe you died for me. I believe you came back from the dead for me. Today I call you my savior. I choose to make you my Lord. Say, help me to live the life you created me to live. Show me greater things. Say that again. Say, show me greater things. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.